0: From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee Hee. happy, happy, happy Tuesday. I hope everyone is having an amazing day and thank you so, so much for taking some of your time out of your day to spend it with me. I am so excited for today's episode. You are listening to episode number 55 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast. It is Tuesday. It's the beginning of a week. You are filled with magic. Go out and rock this week. You are a kick-ass parent raising kick-ass kids who are going to radically change our world for the better. I can just feel it. Thank you so much for all you do for your family, your kids, and our world. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode because I just can't wait any longer. Today's guest is someone I hope so dearly that we become actual, real-life friends. I have gained immense respect and gratitude for her in just our short time of knowing one another. I met her on Instagram, that gram world, huh? And through another friend, Sarah Bivens, from episode number 13 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast. I usually don't share birth stories on here, but every now and then you come across a human that you just can't possibly pass up. I'm so excited to share Rachel Cunningham with y'all when you hear her birth stories she has three of them you will be blown away at her strength she is the epitome of always pushing yourself further and truly believing in yourself she's here to share her emergency cesarean birth a vacuum assisted v VBAC and a precipitous HVAC for our listeners who are not familiar VBAC is vaginal birth after cesarean, VBAC, and HBAC is home birth after cesarean, HBAC. Other than being an inspiring human, she is also the owner of the cutest apparel and decal shop. She's a mother of two and a birth doula. Tuning in from Indiana, Rachel, welcome to the Tranquility Tribe podcast.
1: Hi, Heehee! Thank you so much for having me on today.
0: No problem. I am so stoked to share all of your stories with our listeners. I know that so many people can probably relate to your stories, but also find inspiration in your stories for their upcoming birth. So, before we dive too much into your birth stories, can you give us a little introduction to your family?
1: Absolutely. So, my name is Rachel Cunningham, and I am from Elkhart, Indiana. It's about 45 minutes from Notre Dame or so, and I'll, I know everyone knows Notre Dame. Um, I am married to my husband, Bernard, and we have three little girls. They are ages four, uh, 18 months, and two and a half months. Um, and we have two cats that are assholes, Holly and Top. <laughs> um, yeah, and my husband works for the park department. He is kind of like a lumberjack. And then I am a uh, birth doula, um, and I am also the owner of an Etsy shop called The Dope Doula.
0: I love it. And you just went through a recent name change. I love it so much. I love when our businesses make this pivotal meet this pivotal place in our business where it no longer serves us and we need to make this shift to something that does serve us better. And the dope doula is so indicative of who you are in your shop. And I love it so, so, so much.
1: Thank
0: so you. since I have never had anyone on this show to solely share their birth stories, I'm going to let you just kind of go share what you will share what you want. Um, you know, I want you to take this space and do what you will with it.
1: Awesome, well, thank you, Hee, hee. Um, and get excited, guys, because I don't really hold back, so uh, we'll just get started. Um, like I said, I have three daughters, so I've had three births. Um, my very first birth was in 2014 with my daughter Greta, and that was um my at the time my husband and I were not married yet. we had actually just bought a house and um so we had just bought a house, and <laughs> we weren't married, and all of a sudden, whoops hey, we're pregnant what's up so um I had never really thought about pregnancy and birth for myself before that. I knew my mom had had two um births without medication in the 80s, and all she ever told me was get the drugs. She (laughs) um, was not not into natural childbirth um, whatsoever. So, um, and then just birth stories throughout my life and stuff uh, left me really scared. I have have one older sister, and she had had one baby at that point, um, and her first daughter was an emergency cesarean because of breech presentation. Um, as well, which was a home birth transfer. And it was, it was just um, pretty scary. So while I'm pregnant with my first baby, all I could think is how scared I was of the entire experience. Um, I had decided to go with the midwifery group instead of a um, OBGYN. However, I picked a practice that also coupled with an OBGYN and they have like a rotation of six midwives um, so you kind of just get whoever's on call for your birth. Um, I also, at some point during my pregnancy, watched that movie everyone watches, The Business of Being Born, uh, and instantly I was like, no Pitocin, no Epidural, you know, all the crunchy things. So, and I didn't really do much research besides that. I... Um, I took the birth classes at the hospital, which I now know um, just kind of teach you how to be a good patient. They don't really teach you birth education, but I didn't know that at the time, and I didn't know even what um, questions that I should be asking. I thought I was, I was doing all the things, and I was being totally prepared, and I had the little app on my phone that told me how big my baby was, and I did the hospital um, education series and all of that, and, and I did a birth plan. So fast forward to uh, baby time. I went one week over my due date. Um, And let me tell you guys, if you have not gone post dates, that magical mythical due date, it is a total mind game. So by the time you get a week overdue, you're like, insane. I was insane. I wanted that baby out. I cried like every single day. I swore she was never coming. It was just a big old hot mess at that point. So that's where my like emotional aura was at. And um, so I'm a week overdue almost. Um, actually, I was like five days overdue when it started. And it was a Saturday morning. And I woke up and I thought, uh, I think something's leaking down below. Uh, and I thought maybe my water had broken cause I'd never had this experience before. So I went into, um, the hospital, I called the midwife and she said, well, why don't you come in and we'll check and blah, blah, blah. So I go into the hospital and they check you in, they do all the paperwork, they put on the wristband, You do all the things, they check you into the computer system. Um, and then my, um, I believe it was a nurse on, on the floor actually ended up doing the check and checking to see if my water had broken and it had not, but she was, um, uh, monitoring the baby and she's like, Oh, look, you're having contractions. And I'm like, what? That's what that is. It feels like period cramps. That's cool. It's going to be easy. (laughs) No. Um, so they, they checked my dilation and I was only like two or three centimeters at that point. So they sent me home so it's really important that i tell you that this is the weekend that this started because on the weekend my midwifery group only had one midwife on call um, and they also had a birth center so um, birth center gets first priority for the midwife and hospital patients get the backup OBGYN on call that is a big deal so whenever you're looking for providers Make sure you are aware of those situations. Uh so it just so happened there were three other moms birthing at the birth center that same weekend. So I didn't see much of my midwife, um, which added to my fear and anxiety because I had thought in my mind, I thought like nurses stayed in your room the whole time, I thought midwives check in on you all the whole time and like help you with positioning and that kind of thing. That's not really what happens. Um, in the hospital setting, they come and go and basically, you know depending on your provider, um, you're pretty much left to your own devices. Um, so they sent me home and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm still in good spirits. Like this is fine. This will be fine. Um, so contractions started picking up at that point And I kind of um, had contractions all day. My husband and I went out to dinner or well, he was my fiance at that time. My fiance and I went out to dinner um, with my parents and we ended up walking around Menards. I don't know if Menards are everywhere, but, we have like a Home Depot store, store, whatever Menards, um, and walking around there. And <laughs> by the time we left there, I was pretty uncomfortable. I was having contractions probably like every seven to 10 minutes or so. And they were what I thought was uncomfortable, which is laughable at this point in my life. So we go home, um, call the midwife. She says, you know, just stay home and, you know, call me in the morning or call me if things pick up, whatever. So that whole night, I didn't get any sleep. In fact, I slept on the couch because I didn't want to wake up my fiance. And I mean, they were coming like every seven minutes. I couldn't sleep. I was so excited. I'm just like laying on the couch, trying to work through it. And then that next morning at like seven in the morning, I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. Let's, uh, let's call the midwife again, because I feel like I need to be at the hospital and no one's taking me seriously. So we go into the hospital again. Again, we get checked in, we get the tags, blah, blah, blah. They check my dilation and I'm like four. And they're like, you should go home again. And I just start crying, break down. So we're walking out of the hospital actually and this poor nurse, you know, she's smiling from ear to ear and she says to me, we'll see you soon. I just start bawling and I go no you won't and I just drug myself to the elevator I'm like I'm gonna die at home and no one cares like about this baby whatever (laughs) so I go home and cry all day and continue to have contractions and they start getting more intense Um, and around 7 that night finally I'm like F this I'm done like I called the midwife and I who was still at births at the birth center and preoccupied with other women and I said, yeah, I'm going to want that epidural right now. I'm done. I have had contractions for like two days straight. They are intense. They were in my back. Of course, at the time, I did not know that that was probably indicative of a posterior baby. I do now. Um, you know, they're in my back there. Nothing's happening. Like, it just, it's just painful. And I feel like they're not doing anything. So we went in again. And again, I still haven't seen my midwife. And I opted for that epidural. and when it first when I first got it, I was like, "Oh, sweet Jesus, this is amazing. I could have a baby every day." Uh, and then slowly but surely, it started to feel like I was trapped in my own body. Um, it was completely numb. It was so, very strong, and it was completely numb from like my belly button down, um except for a hot spot that I developed in my right hip, which felt like someone was stabbing me. So that was cute um so i ended up not liking the epidural in the end because i just felt out of control and a lot of anxiety uh, which i didn't think was even a thing like i had no idea those emotions were going to come up in me with the epidural um and my midwife came in uh sometime that evening and so she had just attended like two or three births already this poor woman was like exhausted by that point so she comes in and i'm terrified Um, she comes in, checks me, and she again, she's like, Yeah, you're like four or five. And um, she's like, I'm gonna go sleep. Here is a book of different labor positions that you can look at and do. And I'm like, Oh what? Oh hell no, right? Like (laughs) she goes back and goes to sleep and I'm just like, Well, that's it. I give up. I'm gonna die. Like, great. So and I ended up actually just going to sleep. Um, and then at some point in the night, I think around 11 o'clock, a nurse comes in and says she wants to start Pitocin. And all I knew was business of being bored equals Pitocin is the devil. So I'm like freaking out. My husband is asleep on the couch. That poor man is like, that's the first time he slept in like 48 hours. And I could not wake him up to save my life. I threw everything with in arm's reach at him on the couch and he still didn't wake up. So, I'm like panicking about making this Pitocin decision by myself. I didn't know what questions to ask, and I thought, you know, they know best, so whatever, let's just do it. I want this baby out. So, they start Pit, and um, she didn't respond very well to it. And so, I labored throughout the whole night, and she just kept not responding very well. Her heart rate was dipping, and and she did not like the Pitocin contractions. Of course, she didn't, because they are very intense. Um, And so, then that next day, The next morning, um, I was checked by my midwife, and I believe at that point, I was like eight or nine centimeters, and she says to me, you know, she wants to break my water, and so she's sitting there at my vagina with the crochet hook, and she says, I'm so tired, I can't even think straight, and then she broke my water, and I was like, panic mode, right? So she breaks my water. And then she goes off call and the new midwife comes in like all of this happens within an hour and the new midwife comes in and my baby's heart rate is tanking. Um, it is not looking good at all. And so at this point I'm like nine, nine, almost 10. Um, like I had a small lip and cervical lip and she, my midwife, I said, you know, can I try to push? And she says, yeah, yeah, you can try and push, I guess. So I pushed twice and on the second push, Um, about like five people burst through the room and the OBGYN on call starts like just shouting orders. And he's like, C-section right now we're going to a C-section. So obviously my baby's heart rate had like flatlined at that point. Um, and he's like, you know, we're going down for a C-section. He's like, he said, and I don't even know to this day what he gave me, I should ask for my op reports, but, um, he gave me something. He said, I'm going to give you this drug. If it stops your contractions, we will take you down to the EOA. The OR, if it does not stop your contractions, we're cutting you open right here. So that's a good way to make me panic, right? Like I'm not already panicked. So I'm sobbing. I'm shaking so hard. I am like pounding that little button they give you for the epidural. I'm like, give me more juice. What the hell? So I start signing all these papers. I don't even know what they were. I didn't read them. Like, you know, I'm just panicked. And they rush me down to the OR. I'm separated from my husband. Um, He's getting scrubbed up. And I'm in the operating room with the uh, anesthesiologist and all the team. And we get into the room and all of a sudden my OBGYN's talking about his trip to Cedar Point, which is an amusement park near me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I thought this was a life and death emergency. And now we're talking about Cedar Point roller coasters. Okay. Um, so then my husband's reunited with me. And they do the C-section, it didn't take very long at all, and um, my baby was just fine, and she was taken to the warmer. And then afterwards, um, I barely remember it, honestly. Um, I, I just remember feeling really, really queasy as they started to um, sew me up. I started throwing up. And so I'm laying on the table, and you've got your arms out like Jesus, and you're pinned down, and I start throwing up. And I just, I remember my last thought before I passed out was, I'm going to die because no one sees that I'm choking on my own vomit. And so that was not fun. Um, So then what had happened after I passed out is they put the baby on my chest and wheeled me into recovery. And they kept, my husband tells me that they kept trying to get her to latch on and nurse while I was passed out Uh, and it wasn't working. And um, so finally my husband spoke up and said, you know, enough, you know, leave her alone. Let's just let them sleep. Uh, So it ended up that I ended up sleeping for about four hours before I woke up and and got to meet my baby, really, for the first time. I do remember at one point, um, very clearly, I woke up at some point during that four hours and my mom was sitting in the room and she just looks like she's on the edge of her seat. And I just start crying and I said, someone hold my baby. And my mom was like so excited. She's like, okay, I'll hold the baby. And she like runs over and like picks up my daughter. And then I pass back out. Um, so that is kind of my first birth story uh, in 2014. And, you know, not everybody would see that as a traumatizing experience, but for me, it really was. Um, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I had been saved. I felt like I could have done things differently from the beginning to prevent what had happened. Um, so through that, I had a lot of PTSD and postpartum depression for about six months um, after my daughter was born. And I started thinking to myself, we knew we wanted to have a large family. And I started thinking to myself, like, there has to be another way. There has to be something different. So I started listening to this podcast called the um, Therese Questions podcast. It's a birth doula podcast by um, the birth doula training organization, To Labor, um, put on by Therese Hakun, who is like my spirit animal. I love her. Um, I totally fangirled all over her when I did my doula training. (laughs) Um, And so I decided that's what I want to do. That's what I wish I would have had. I wish I would have had a doula to help me um, when nurses or or midwives or OBs couldn't be there to help me with positioning and that kind of stuff. Um, Like I had said, my first baby was posterior. And I think a lot of um, my problems stemmed from positioning, which I didn't know. But you never know. It could have been something else. We don't know. But that's my theory on it. Um, so I did my um, two labor training then that spring. Uh, um, I'm sorry, so that was 2014. Did my training in 2016, the spring of 2016. So it took a year off um, of baby things. Um, I will say that in between my first daughter and my second daughter, my husband and I got married in September of 2015 and we did become pregnant again. And we ended up having a miscarriage at 12 weeks um, with that baby so now I'm going into so that was um, winter of 2015 spring of 2016 we got pregnant again with my second daughter Um, but I had just gone through another very traumatic experience Um, the the miscarriage for me was complete like completely blindsided me and Um, I had had taken Cytotech to um, help the miscarriage, and it was was just a whole uh, pretty traumatic situation. So going into my VBAC, now my headspace again is fearful that I'm going to lose the baby. Um, I'm worried that my body is broken. I've had this C-section. I've had this miscarriage. I didn't have a lot of faith in my own body. Um, But I knew I wanted it to be different. So I get pregnant in the spring of 2016. Um, I hired my doula. Uh, who ended up being my doula wife, as I like to call her, because we ended up being super close, um, and we actually back up for each other now, and I just love her. She's this ethereal earth goddess, and she's so great. Um, Shout out to Jessica Stakowitz of Sacred Birth Services in uh, Michiana. Love you, girl. So anyway, I hired my doula, and I ended up actually switching providers during that pregnancy three times. Um, I had gone back to the to the midwife group that I had birthed my first child with, and I kept hearing the words, we're gonna let you try. Well, you can try to be back, what they call a to um, trial of labor after cesarean. And I did not like that word, try. <laughs> I was going to have a V back and I wanted all of the support to do that. Um so I also kept hearing they would I would go into my my appointments and they kept like, putting into their computer, like, beep, boop, beep, boop, your chance is 60% of a successful VBAC, and I'm like, okay, how about you look at my face, first of all, you don't know anything about my body, like, what magical numbers are you putting into your devil box to tell me (laughs) what it is I'm doing, Um, so I did not like that, and I also was not comfortable with the fact that they did not have an anesthesiologist on call 24-7 at that hospital. So I also kept hearing, if you don't get an epidural, we will have to open you without anything on the table. Like they were using complete scare tactics and fear mongering. It, It was ridiculous. So I ended up switching providers. I wanted to have a home birth that time, but our insurance was not going to be covering that and we didn't want to pay out of pocket. So again, health insurance dictates the birth experience that you have, which is sad. Um, so I went to a different hospital with a 24 hour uh, anesthesiologist and a midwife group that was only three midwives. So I was more likely to have my, you know, have someone that I knew and to to come to my birth. And they also had a backup OBGYN. So that pregnancy is pretty uneventful. Everything went pretty smoothly. Um, and she was a December baby. So we're starting to get to the end of um, the pregnancy. And like I had said, my first baby was born exactly one week overdue. Um, And I thought second babies come faster. So at like 37 weeks, I am ready. My bags are packed. That was dumb because one week comes and one week goes past my date, my mythical due date. So I'm a week overdue again, and um, with VBACs, they make you see, uh, make you, in quotation marks, Um, they make you see the OBGYN to do a non-stress test and just check on baby and start talking about options, because that's what we want to do when you're overdue. We want to add more stress to you by talking about inductions or repeat cesareans. Great idea. So anyway, I go in for my non-stress test. I had seen the midwives this whole time. And then now I had to see the OBGYN on call. Um, my stress test went absolutely fine. You know, baby was looking great. I was looking fine. I just hold on to my babies. That's just what my body does. Um, everything was a-okay. Um, and I went in to see him and he wanted to check my dilation. And I said, okay, you can check my <clears throat> check my dilation. So he ends up doing a cervical check and he I knew right away as he was inside of me I knew that he was sweeping my membranes and I didn't say anything I was in shock and he finished the exam and he said okay so I went ahead and swept your membranes uh pardon me what (laughs) so yeah he swept my membranes without my consent without my knowledge um he did not ask beforehand. He did not talk to me about the pros and cons of sweeping my membranes or the complications that can come for that or the fact that he could have broken my water very easily right there and we would have had some terrible situation going on. So he swept my membranes and I'm in shock and um, I left the appointment and immediately I started bleeding um, and started having contractions. And so this was a Friday evening or Friday afternoon around three that he did this. And so I go home and I had these really weird contractions then all that evening and all through the night. They were just sporadic. They were like hard, they, they were very painful, but they weren't consistent. They weren't getting longer, stronger and closer together. So again, here I am in this weird labor pattern just like the first time. Um, also, I'd like to say he didn't check like my baby's positioning or anything. He didn't palpate my belly or anything before he just set my membranes, you asshole. Anyway, <laughs> so I have these weird contractions all night long and, um, I'm texting with my doula and then in the morning I said, you know, Jess, I'm going to call in and just let them know because I'm going to be back and they want to know when like things are happening. So I call in and I said, Hey, just want to let you know, like, I'm going to stay home because I wanted to stay home as long as possible. Um, I'm going to stay home, but I'm having some contractions, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, the midwife on call says, why don't you just come in? We'll check you out, see how you're doing, listening to baby, because you're a VBAC. And then we'll send you back home. No worries. It sounds like you're not in active labor. We'll just check in, and then you can go home. So I went. Mistake. So I go to the hospital, and I go into triage, right? And there is a um, resident in triage, um, a burly man that's, I don't know, maybe my age, and he looks scared as hell. It's probably like his last week on rotation. You know, he was just not, not feeling super comfortable in the maternity ward. But he's in my triage, and he comes in to check on me. And the nurse checks me, and she's like, I think I was maybe three centimeters at that point. Right? So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to go home. And the resident's like, no, I think you should stay. And I'm like, uh, who are you? No. Uh, And he checks me in. So he checks me into the hospital. And he talks to the midwife and says that he recommends I stay. And I get checked in. And I don't know if for listeners who haven't birthed in the hospital before, once you're checked in, it's kind of like jail. Like you're not getting out. So I'm checked in and I go back to my room. And the midwife comes in like an hour later and she's like, she checks me. And again, I'm like three centimeters still. And she's like, why are you here? I'm like, I don't know. Why am I here? And she's like, "Well, you're here now. We can't really uncheck you into the system. So guess we're having a baby." And I'm like, "Super, thanks. This is starting out great." So I labor in the morning, and around 11 o'clock or so. So this is Saturday now. Around 11 o'clock in the afternoon, I call my doula to come visit with me because they had the midwife had come in. She'd start talking about Pitocin. She'd start talking about you know things needed to move a little faster. Blah blah blah. And I start panicking again. So I call Jess. Um, and like a shining beam of light, she comes to my berth, and we did the shower, and we did the tub, and contractions are really starting to pick up, and I'm starting to get into active labor, um, and my midwife checks me again a few hours later, and I'm uh, six centimeters, so woo hallelujah, I'm six centimeters on my own with no epidural. Awesome, so then She says, okay, you know, I'm gonna let you labor and come back. So she leaves for about four hours. And then right before she's going to switch off call, she comes in, checks me again. And four hours later, I'm still six centimeters. And I lost my mind at that point. I, and again, nobody was talking about baby position, but whatever. Um, I lost my mind. I'm like, you know what, dude, I am done. Like, get me the epidural. I'm working so hard. Like, I thought I had even gone through transition at this point. Um, which I had not. And after having my home birth, again, that's kind of laughable what I thought was transition. Um, so I get the epidural and I sleep through the night. And then we wake up in the morning and uh, around five, let's see, she was born at 5 30. So, um, so at some point in the morning, then around three or so, uh, I wake up and the baby's heart rate again is dipping and not doing well. And I have this epidural, I'm stuck in the bed. Um, I did ask for, I I was very clear with the anesthesiologist that I did not like having zero feeling. So he gave me what he calls a walking epidural. Um, Don't get me wrong. You are not walking anywhere, homie. But you can still feel the contractions. Uh, I felt sensations and things like that. And I can move like my feet and things. Um, So it was very different. And so my baby's heart rate is dipping again. And my OBGYN comes in then at that point. Who was on call with the midwife because if you're a VBAC, you have to have an OBGYN on the floor. And he comes in and he says, You know, I'm gonna give you an hour, but this baby's still really high and um, she is not responding well to these contractions and, you know, we need to get her out. So he's like, We're gonna, we're gonna try another hour. Um, and I think I was like, No, okay, so this is before I start, before I start pushing. I'm sorry. So I reached full dilation. And then um, he said that after I had been pushing for two hours. So I'd been pushing for two hours and her heart rate was dipping with each contraction. And he comes in and says, you have an hour to push her out or we're, you know, we're going to have to go back to her C-section. I will give him some props, even though I hated him 24 hours before that. He was like i really don't want to give you a c-section i don't want to do this i know she can come out vaginally you can do that like he was very encouraging so that i really appreciated um so he's like one hour <laughs> so i turn into crazy mama bear and i go put me on my hands and knees right now and because i was pushing on my back of course with my epidural and everybody's like oh, i don't think that's a good idea um you're not very stable like the nurses say this and i'm like get it oh get me on my back or on my hands and knees now i was like the fire came out of my eyeballs and i get on my hands and knees and i just push that baby down like there was no tomorrow with each contraction it was like world war three like up in that room so he comes back in an hour later and he's like, okay, you got her down far enough that I think I can get a vacuum on. Do you want to do that? And I was like, yes, hurry up, let's do this, you know? So he puts the vacuum on her and again, her heart rate's not great, um, but, and I will say this about him as well, he um, was very gentle with the vac—the vacuum. So he, if you don't know what a vacuum is, it looks like this, it doesn't actually like a Hoover vacuum. Um, it looks like a suction cup type of device and he puts it on top of the baby's head Um, and then what he would do is as I would push, he would just hold her there because she kept going back up the birth canal. So he, I would push her down. He would hold her until my next contraction. And then I would push her again. Um, so I think we did like three pushes or so like that before she was out and she just came like flopping out, um, whole like head, body, everything at like one time. And I remember when she came out, like, I will never forget what she looked like. I looked up and she was just like this limp. Blue baby. And like at this point, I had seen quite a few births um through my births and through birth doula business and stuff. And I thought, that's not good. That is not a baby that is doing good. And I thought, oh my, oh my God. So they took her over to the warmer and they ended up doing like resuscitation. And I think she was over there for like it seems like two seconds in my mind, but my husband told me it was like five minutes. Um and then after that she came to my chest. So that's the birth story with number two. And at the time I just kept thinking, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. I had this beat, you know, she came out my vagina. That's all I wanted. Um, and as time passed, I realized like things could have gone differently with that one too. Like there's so much I could have learned from that. And, you know, so much I wish I would have done different and things that I had second guessed. Um, and just where I was like mentally being in the hospital, I knew that I just didn't want to be there. Um, so fast forward, after number two, now it's 2017, um, and my birth doula business is taken off like a rocket, and I'm doing like two or three births a month. And in June, so six months after I have my baby, in June I had um, three births like back to back, beautiful, wonderful births, and um, I kind of threw an egg and got pregnant uh, unexpectedly, like y'all TMI but I didn't even have my period back yet I was still exclusively breastfeeding and all of a sudden I'm pregnant oh what so I didn't even like have time to process this last pregnancy I was working I was still attending births um, so uh, fun fact I was working as a birth doula I was also working as an events coordinator for the parks department uh, and I had started this Etsy shop so what the hell am I doing with my life I've got two kids and now I'm pregnant it was just pandemonium. So, but with that pregnancy, I knew, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go anywhere near the hospital. Okay, thanks. I don't care if I have to pay a penny a day to the midwife in town. That's what I'm doing. Um, So I hired this amazing, amazing uh, set of midwives, um, Starbontrager and Kate Shantz, and they are just so great. They do home birth and I can't even tell you guys the difference night and day between my prenatal care. Um, I would go in and they would spend an hour with me. First of all, it wasn't like a hot, like a medical type setting either. Like she had like a fuzzy blanket on the bed and it was just so warm and inviting like a home. Um, and she, we would spend an hour together and we would just chat. And of course, at this point, like I know birth workers in the area. So we started out as like kind of friends anyway. Um, but that's really what it grew into is like a, a, friendship and a beautiful like relationship and I felt so comfortable with her um, with both of them and I knew that home was going to be great and we were going to have an H back at home they had there was no like tries there was no like this is your percentage chance it was like yeah you can do this no no problem Um, we did have a backup plan of course uh, you know emergency backup plan for the hospitals if something were to happen but um, we all felt perfectly confident being at home so fast forward to this spring of 2018, and we were expecting our third little girl. Um, again, we're gonna go post dates cause that's super fun and that's what I do. So <laughs> even longer than number two, we get to, so uh, my second daughter was born at 10 days and 10 days came and went. And so at this point I'm like almost two weeks overdue. And again, I had tried to be very intentional with this pregnancy about not giving a crap about my due date and who cares? Like, you know, you're going to go to 42, just go with it. But of course you pass that date. And you're like, Oh, what the hell, man? I'm so done. And I was so big. My first baby was seven one. My second baby was seven pounds, six ounces. And I felt like I had a 13 pound baby inside of me. Like my stomach was ripping apart. My back was so hurt so bad. And everyone kept saying, like, it was all in my head. I didn't look any bigger this time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, I am Shamu. I am huge. So I'm huge and uncomfortable and overdue. Um, And I even, like, broke down a couple times and talked to my midwife and was like, star, like, I think I'm going to, I want some castor oil. I want something. Like, sweep my membranes. And she would give me, like, are you sure you want to do that, Rachel? And And she would talk me down. I'm like, no, no, no. It'll happen when it happens. It's fine. Um, I should also say that this pregnancy, I listened to the free birth podcast and it changed my whole world. You guys, if you have not listened to that, go listen to it. It's amazing. And it just made me realize, like, I am all that is woman and I can do this. My body knows what it's doing. And if I just stop fucking around with it, it'll all go great. So I'm not going to do any induction methods, but I'm overdue. and my husband and I decide at, um, let's see, so we're at 13 days over my date, and we decided we're going to go to the zoo that day. I'd had um, Braxton Hicks on and off for, like, weeks because I Braxton Hicks throughout all my pregnancies, um, so I'd had lots of contractions and stuff that thought I thought was going to turn into labor and never did, pers- or uh, pers- um is the word I'm looking for? Prodermal labor (laughs) is the word I'm looking for, where nothing's really happening, but um, you're still having contractions. So, I mean, things are happening, but you're not dilating. So, um, we decide that morning I'm having some contractions. They're like five to ten minutes apart, but not super steady, and we decide to go to the zoo, just us two, and drop our kids off with my mother-in-law to see if we can walk this baby out. So, we go to the zoo, and I'd like let my birth team know Um, I hired my doula, Jess, again. So it was going to be Jess and my two midwives and my husband, and that was it. Um, So I let them know, you know, things were kind of happening, but we'll see. So we go to the, the zoo and walk around, and everything, like, dies. And I will also say that my doula wife, Jess, told me that she was on her way to another birth. And I swear, you guys, as soon as I knew that she was, like, on her way to another birth, My contraction stopped. Like my body was like, nope, you're gonna wait for her, (laughs) which sounds crazy, but totally is what happened. So we go to the zoo. Nothing happens, and I'm like, oh my god, what if I have my baby next to the alpacas? Like that would be so embarrassing. Let's go home. So we we go get lunch, and I did what I tell all of my clients not to do, and I ate the entire world. I ate fried green beans and quesadillas and uh, cheeseburgers and um, like chocolate pie, chocolate, peanut butter pie. You guys, I ate everything. And I always tell clients like eat something light, like some fresh fruit and some protein, a little cheese stick. Nope. I ate everything that was going to be t- terrible if labor happened because I was like, so mad. I was like, forget it. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Cause this baby's never coming. Well, that was, that was stupid. <laughs> so we, I eat the whole world. We go home, we pick up our kids from my mother-in-law's house and we go to my parents' house who live on a horse farm. And so we go to the farm because my husband's like, you need to be distracted. Like you're a hot mess girlfriend. So we go to the, to my parents' house and we walk around the farm and we like go rock hounding with my daughters and like just kind of hang out and I'm having contractions, but nothing crazy, you know, nothing consistent. And we get back and we're having dinner at the house. And all of a sudden during dinner, I'm like, I need to go home. I need to go home right now. I just start crying. And I don't know what this like weird emotional wave just hit me. And I had to be home right then. And I got like really antsy and cranky. And I'm like, I need to get out of this house right now. And I just wanted to be in my home and took all my kids, my two kids, and back went back to the house. Hindsight, the if you learn anything, it's if you get that feeling, leave your kids with the babysitter. Okay. Don't take them with you, because that's where the story gets real crazy. So we go home, we put the kids to bed. It's, um, I don't remember what day of the week she was born, but so it's, it's an evening time. I think it was a Thursday and we put all the kids to bed and we ended up like, I'm kind of having contractions still. So I said, Boomer, my husband, we call him boomer. Um, I said, let's, let's put the sheets on the bed just in case. I'm like, she's not coming tonight, but let's do it just in case. Cause I don't want to ruin our bed. So we put the sheets on and stuff. And at this point, it's about oh, 11 o'clock or so at night. Everybody else is asleep. My husband is playing video games in the living room. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to my hypno birthing track and just get some sleep. And I had texted my whole birth to you. I'm like, guys, I'm still having weird contractions, but nothing that's stopping me or like bringing me to my knees. I'm just going to go to bed. And everybody's like, great idea. Get some rest, you know, drink water, whatever. So I lay down in bed and I start listening to my Hypno Babies track. And I was probably listening to it for about 10 minutes or so. So at this point it's like midnight and um, or a little after midnight. And I'm like listening to it and like trying to drift off to sleep. And all of a sudden my water breaks. And you guys, I had never had that happen before. My water had never broken on its own. So like nothing's going on. And all of a sudden, whoosh, it was like, The red sea just comes out of my vagina and all over our bed. (laughs) And I'm like, start freaking out. I throw my big pregnancy pillow so that it doesn't get all disgusting. And it's all over the bed. And I get up and I had let out this like squeal of like, it didn't hurt, but it surprised me. And so I let out this really loud squeal and it woke up my 18 month old. Okay. So my 18 month old wakes up scream crying. My husband's in the living room. He like runs to get the baby. And I start yelling like my water broke, my water broke. And I had this feeling I just knew. I'm like, okay, I need to tell him everything he needs to do before the first contraction hits because shit is about to go down. And we had nothing ready. You guys, we had not blown up the birth tub because we have two cats and they're assholes. And I knew that they would pop it um and like we had the kit ready and stuff but we didn't think this baby was coming tonight so he runs in to check on the 18 month old the 18 month old has shit her pants everywhere poop everywhere so he's like trying to clean up that and my first contraction hits and it was like a mac truck just ran me over it was instant transition and i just start yelling like it's so funny because my hypno my hypnobabies track that I listened to like 30 seconds before that was like, you are calm, you are centered, you are in control. And I just start screaming, I'm not in control, I'm not in control. And it was, I have never felt a contraction like hit me the way that that did. So I start, like I'm panicking because I'm like, he can't call anybody because he's dealing with the poopy diapers. And so I start texting my birth team and I said, my water broke. And everybody, I could see the text back. We're like, that's wonderful. Go to bed. Get some rest. Call us if you need us. And I text back, please come now. And everybody's like, okay. And then I don't know what happened to my phone after that. I crawl to the bedroom or to the bathroom. And I like try to get into our tiny little porcelain tub and get some kind of water on me while I'm like screaming with each contraction. My husband called my parents to come get the kids. Um And so it's like one o'clock in the morning, calls my mom to come pick up the kids. And in the meantime, my three-year-old wakes up. So she comes down and she starts bawling hysterically because she just hears me screaming. Like there was no buildup to this labor. It just was like, boom, we're having a baby right this second. So she's crying. The 18-month-old is crying. They are in the living room holding on to each other, like (laughs) crying together. Oh, those poor things. They're probably traumatized for life. And my husband puts on trolls as loud as possible so that it like drowns out my screaming. Um, So I hear like Poppy in the background, just like singing her heart out. Like get back up again is blaring through the door. And I'm like, turn off the fucking trolls. Right. (laughs) My poor husband. So he's trying to take care of them and blow up the birth tub. Cause I'm screaming, get the birth tub, get the birth tub. So he's scrambling, trying to, blow up a birth tub which was completely like that was not gonna happen at that point um and my mom shows up then like half an hour later and she comes into the bathroom and I'm just on my hands and knees totally naked like mascara running down my face like I had planned to like look pretty during this birth and that was (laughs) not happening i look like a hot mess y'all so she comes in and she's just you could see the panic on her face and i said you know i kept screaming i want drugs i want drugs like just like that and of course you know remember she's had these two medication-free births and she's like pro drugs pro hospital get all the things and she just kept saying do you want me to call an ambulance do you want me to call an ambulance and I thought at this point, I'm like, no one's coming. Everyone told me to go to sleep and they're probably all sleeping and I'm going to have this baby by myself. And I said, I, don't, I kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. And then again, like an angel, my doula shows up. I don't know. How, she must have like flown a jet to my house because she's like 45 minutes away and she got there in 20 minutes, you guys. And she like bursts through the door, you know, and comes into the bathroom like this just Zen goddess of just patchouli oil, it like, comes in, and I just clutch her sweatshirt, and I go, Jess, you smell so good, <laughs> and she's like, okay, so let's have a baby, right, um, and as soon as she got there, I just felt calm, like I just needed my support team there with me, and then I was like, okay, I can do this, like don't get me wrong, I'm still screaming the f-word, um, but I knew I could do it at that point, and then I wasn't gonna be alone. Um, I thought, like I kept saying to my birth team, well, if I have a free birth, I have a free birth. If you don't make it, you don't make it, whatever. Cause I had always had these like super long labors um, and I had never anticipated a precipitous labor. Um, so when it came to it, all of those emotions left. And I was like, I want my team right now. Um, so my doula shows up and then shortly later my midwife shows up, my mom took the kids home and my midwife comes into the bathroom and I I had had no vaginal checks at this point, um, which my midwife was great with. She's like, I know you have a vagina. I know it works. You're fine. Um, And I said I didn't want any checks at all for the whole labor. But I had never gone this fast um, because at this point, you guys, it's been an hour. So everybody showed up between 2 and 2.30. My water broke at 1. They were there at 2 and 2.30. And I'm like, if I'm four centimeters, I am dying. I am. Like someone just stabbed me because I'm dying. Um, so she like just barely gently puts her, her hand into my vagina and she goes, oh, okay, so you're 10 centimeters and that's a head and you just do whatever you want, huh? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I just start, Wah! like I let my body go and just start pushing with each contraction. And it felt so good. Like I realized that I'd been holding in pushes. That was that feeling. So I just let my body go and start pushing And um, I pushed for, gosh, like an hour and a half or so. Um, We moved from the bathroom to the bedroom, and I pushed on my hands and knees. I pushed on my side, um, and it ended up, I actually um, finished pushing and got her out on my back, which I never thought I would want. But in that moment, I was so tired and my arms hurt so bad from keeping myself up. I was like, yes, my back sounds awesome. Let's do that. So I was on my back, and, um, you know, I, I ended up then crowning so she started crowning and my midwife was you know giving me perennial massage and all of that supporting my perineum and um, her head came out and my midwife was like you're doing these amazing little pushes I'm like I have no control so that's great like I, no I, my body was just doing it um, so her head came out and then it took a little while I was really surprised um, how long it took from her head then to birth the shoulders after that um, and so she, I birthed the shoulders like a minute later or so, or a few minutes later, um, I had my next wave and, and she came out, but holy crap, was that hard? Like, I think I just went into another dimension during crowning and having her, like, it was just insane. Um, so she comes out and I was like, I just kept saying like, I did it, I did it. And that was like the most amazing, like perfect picture. Per- like it was insane because it was so fast, but it was everything I wanted And I kept saying, I did it. I did it. I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing that again. And my husband's like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, tell me that in six months. Um, And then she ended up being nine pounds. She was two more pounds than my, my other babies. And I was just like, I can't believe I did that in three and a half hours in my bed, like in my own bed at my home and it was just amazing and there was no complications afterwards Um, the placenta came out within like half an hour or so Um, we did delayed cord clamping we didn't cut the cord until like 45 minutes or so after she was born oh she pooped all over me um all over oh that that pregnancy pillow that i wanted to save she pooped all over it meconium poop like tar poops all over that all over me all over everything Um, But the beautiful thing about a home birth is like your doula and your midwife help you get in the shower. And then I got out of the shower and my bed was clean and beautiful and all taken care of. And everything was wonderful. And um, they made me some food and like ate some food and like hung out with my girlfriends and then took a nap. And it was just it was just amazing. So, yeah, that's it. Those are my three insanely different, insanely wild uh, birth stories.
0: Wow. Listeners, are you mind blown yet? I could listen to you talk all day, Rachel. This is so fascinating. And I jotted jotted down so many notes while you were chatting. I think first and foremost, the number one thing you don't want to hear your midwife say is I'm so tired I can't even think straight right like while she's in your vagina she's like oh I can't even see what I'm doing like, Right,
1: like that,
0: <laughs> that in itself is mind-blowing I also love how you refer to due dates as this myth- mythical thing um it it is so mythical you know I like to call it a guesstimated due date um there's so many blogs and podcasts out there about that from me so check those out listeners but yeah mythical due dates it's so real it's really it's a guess based on a guess based on when you think that your last period started um you know it it really is not something to get super hung up on next i have the horrid story of your doctor giving you a membrane sweep without your consent and it never fails to shock me straight down to my core that when you hear a woman telling her story of having something done to her during birth without her consent, we use the same language and the same demeanor as sexual assault victims when they are retelling their tragic stories. Um, So if that doesn't tell you that sex and birth are so intricately connected, then nothing will. There is just something about that part of our body and being in full control of your genitals and knowing exactly what's going on down there, um, you know, in all humans, whether you're male or female, no matter how you identify, gaining pro- control of your genitals and not having anybody done down there that you didn't say okay, that is huge, and I think it's something that is stripped from so so many people and it it leaves a huge hole in my heart for sure um, Your emergency c section so I think this place that you found yourself of Signing papers hastily that were shoved in your face and filled completely with fear, but also confusion, but also not actually knowing what's happening. So you're just kind of blindly trusting your healthcare providers to know what's going on. I think that is something that also so many birthing people find themselves in that same situation and. I I think unless you know that that's a possibility, you might not have ever considered that that might happen to you. You might not have ever considered that it might be something you need to be prepared for or something that, you know, at least as in your realm, I try and prevent people from going into the hospitals like guns blazing, like, I will not do any of your things, like, you're evil, but I have to have my baby here type attitude, because that doesn't do anybody any good, right? Like, you're not serving yourself, you're not serving your baby or the process or the hospital staff or your doula or your partner, like, no one gets served with that attitude. Mm-hmm. But I definitely do try and keep people prepared. Um, but if you if you don't know, then you
1: won't be prepared, Right. Exactly. It's that fine line of walking between, um, you know, trying to stay loose and comfortable and surrendering to your birth experience, as well as um, speaking up for the things that you want, and also um, advocating for yourself and knowing all of your options. It's a hard line, and that's why you need to birth where you feel the most comfortable, whether that's hospital, whether that's home, whether that's birth center.
0: And with an intentional team, so for me, you know, I coach a lot of parents and not everybody has access to an awesome hospital or a birth center, even midwives. Like, I know that there are some of you out there listening, thinking, yeah, this is all freaking great and dandy Rachel and hee but I don't have this kind of stuff where I am I get that a hundred percent but what you do have control over is who is your birth team so you do have control over you may only have really shitty doctors to to choose from but you could choose the less shittiest of the shitty doctors right like make sure that you're doing your due diligence and then you could definitely find a doula that will support you and I truly do believe down in my core that there is a doula out there for every single person. That is your perfect match. Find that person, do what you need to do to get them to your birth. They'll come. I promise if you are so connected to that doula, they will come. They will also feel that energy. If you are that perfect match. Um, You also mentioned your headspace, and this is such a core in TBH, but also that fear-based care is so rampant and we, we know this, but things like, I'm going to allow you to try for VBAC. Oh, are you're going to allow me to do this with my body. Well, thank you for allowing me, right? Like, it's that kind of language that we try to avoid. And you can also ask, so if you are out there listening and you have a provider that uses this kind of language, me I say say something but that also comes with advocating for yourself and you don't have to do it in an aggressive way you could just say like hey you know the word try really makes me feel in fear it makes me feel fear makes me feel like I'm not good enough makes me feel like I can't do it It makes me feel like you doubt me makes me feel fill in the blank for you could we use instead x y and z come up with something that doesn't make you feel fearful or like you can't do it or like you're not good enough um, or like you're not in control because that Hulk mode that you're talking about, not everybody will reach that point in their birth. I think that you already have to have this place of knowing that you can Hulk out and that you can make that change if you Hulk out. But if you've never Hulked out before, I promise you, your birth is not going to be the first place that you do it. It's already going to be such a new thing you know, you really want to be advocating for yourself all the way through. And then finally, my last note is just the incredible difference between providers and what they encourage versus discourage. So one of your providers or two of your providers encourage a very medicalized hospital-based birth, like almost fear-based, driven, like you should do this and you should do that. And here's all your medical options. Where's your midwife, She never discouraged you from medical, but she encouraged that natural childbirth. She encouraged you to really dig deep and connect with your body. And for me, that is super important. So I think a lot of people have a question about like, well, what do you, what do you say do's and don'ts of birth are? And for me there are no don'ts. I don't care what you do, but I will encourage you to do what you want to do. And if we've talked about that prenatally, and I have that end goal at the end of the tunnel, I'm encouraging you to get there based on the the steps of the ladder that you set out for yourself. And we can totally jump ladders. We can get on a different ladder. You're allowed to change your mind. But until you say, I'm done with this ladder, I am there to push you up that ladder and to say, I'm totally here to support you, but are you sure? And don't you think you can do this with X, Y, and Z, just like your midwife did? So it just blows my mind the difference in providers and how much control they have over your birth and your mindset.
1: Absolutely. And I I should say, one tip you can have as like a doula and, and a relationship with your doula or midwife is have a safe word. Because I was screaming, I want drugs. But in my head, I was saying, oh, really, this is fine. But but outwardly, you would think like I was literally dying or wanted to go um, in the ambulance right away. So have a safe word. And that's when you know, okay, it's time to go to the next ladder.
0: Absolutely. I have a safe word. Well, offer it to all of my clients. Not everybody does it. I, I did just support a family that um, were big hikers, right? And they had climbed um, Mount Washington and it was the hardest climb that they had ever done. But their goal is to climb Mount Everest. And so we kept comparing that this is just Mount Washington. You've already done this. Like, you can do it. You can get to the top. You already did it. And then when she had her baby, we said, Guess what? Surprised on you because it was actually Mount Everest and you did it and you you thought you were climbing Mount Washington, but really you were doing the number one hike like in the world, right? So I think having that language, which is why alternative language is so, so important and it's such a pillar in the TBH approach. um, It's just so important. So be mindful. Also, your language has everything to do with your headspace. It goes back to that. I'm going to allow you to try for a VBAC versus like, hey, we're going to have this baby out of your vagina this time. Those are very different feels, and they both can come from your provider. I also want to note that you said, my body is just doing it, which is such an important reminder for all of our listeners out there. You know, we've talked about the fetal ejection reflex before your body will just do it. You do have to be in a place of surrendering and you do have to be in a place of understanding that your body is capable, but if you let it, your body will really just do it. So Rachel, all of your births for me feel like an up level. So you had your emergency C-section and you learned a little bit and you moved on to your next birth and you were able to narrow down a little bit